Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Yeah, so today we're going to be continuing our talk on um, the eight verses of thought transformation. So we started this a couple weeks ago, and we're going to continue <clears throat> today. So I'm going to pass out... How many people brought theirs from a couple weeks ago? Good A-plus students. <laughs> Amazing. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I'll just... What's that? I was truant. <laughs> All right. So I'll just pass these out. There's going to have to be some sharesies. start out by maybe just reading them together out loud, which we didn't do last time, but I think it's, it's really nice to do. So everyone has them or can share with the, their friends next to them. And then on some of them, um, in my awesome cutting skills, um, there's a word that got cut off. Does anyone have one that's kind of cut off at the book? Everyone's fine? Okay, I might have to do those up. <laughs> I think the word is from, but anyway. Okay, so maybe we can just read aloud, starting with the first one. With the thought of attaining enlightenment for the welfare of all beings who are more precious than a wish for feeling jewel, I will constantly practice holding them dear. When I am with others, I will practice seeing myself as the lowest of all, and from the very depth of my heart, I will respectfully hold others as supreme. In all actions, I will examine my mind, and the moment a disturbing attitude arises, endangering myself and others, I will firmly confront and avert it. Whenever I meet a person of bad nature, who is overwhelmed by negative energy and intense suffering, I will hold such a rare one dear, as if I have found a precious treasure. When others out of jealousy mistreat me with abuse, slander, and so on, I will practice accepting defeat and offering the victory to them. When someone I have benefited and in whom I have placed great trust hurts me very badly, I will practice seeing that person as my supreme teacher. In short, I will offer directly and indirectly every benefit and happiness to all beings, my mothers. I will practice in secret, taking upon myself all their harmful actions and sufferings. Without these practices being defiled by the stains of the eight worldly concerns, by perceiving all phenomena as illusory. I will practice without grasping to release all beings from the bondage of the disturbing, unsubdued mind and karma. 
So as you read those, did anything arise? <laughs> you could probably meditate just on that. Just whatever that sting was. On, you know, I'm the lowest of all, and when somebody hurts me, I'm going to look at them as my supreme teacher. It's like a little sting can arise. That's the sting of ego. <laughs> the egoic mind arising. It's very interesting, yeah? Because it says eight verses of thought transformation. Thought transformation. Yet, when you read them, there really looks like compassion or heart-based practices, devotion practices, seeing others as supreme. It's really this, this heartfelt practice. Mm -hmm. Yet, this is the way to thought transformation. Yeah. So, like I mentioned last time, this is, this is the way of the Bodhisattva. Right? This is for the benefit of all beings. So, the Bodhisattva vow is that I... I, I know that I am not free until all beings are free. Yeah? I am not free until all beings are free. So my freedom depends upon the freedom of, of all beings, the freedom of others. Yeah? So we could relate to this in a very mundane way, maybe. How many of you have been in a relationship and had a partner that was having a bad day? <laughs> No? <laughs> and did it arise that because they were having a bad day, you were having a bad day? Yeah? And it's a really real example that our freedom depends upon others. And then if we look deeper than that, we look at interdependence. Yeah? We're not just on an island. Like We're so interdependent, and we could have a million examples of this to where our clothes come from, yeah, to where we are, to the vehicle, to the food that we eat, everything. We're all related. It's like that six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's with each other, everywhere, all of life. Like Thich Nhat Hanh says, if you could look at a coffee table and see the universe, then you could see the way. It's like that. Yeah. So none of these are about negating self. This is very important because, as I mentioned last time, some of the, the, the wording here is such where it looks like it's putting us beneath. Yeah. This is really putting the egoic self beneath. This, this me first uh, concept, right? When we see this arising, this is what we're subduing. Not self love, not self compassion. Not that, but when we see this selfishness arising, yeah, this is something to note and say, okay, maybe, maybe I need some assistance. And so we have this this bodhisattva vow: may I, I attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. Yeah. Yet this intention and this vow, this is um, one thing to kind of state our resolve and our motivation and our intention. But then, there's a gap. There's a gap in our action and our ability to manifest that on a daily basis. Yeah? Like a diet or something. I want to eat like this, but this is how I really eat. <laughs> I really eat like this. So there's a gap. Like my intention 
is to exercise and my intention is to do this or that. Yet, in action, there's a gap. So these verses are to help us recognize where the gap is in our life, yeah? on a daily basis. Just like Theravada tradition, this is, you know, comes from a Tibetan lineage, we practice informal mindfulness, moment to moment, awake. Yeah? This is emphasized. So the emphasis here, like on a daily basis, is to noticing when we are putting ourselves maybe ahead of others and therefore acting in a way of dualistic delusion of not seeing self and others as one. Yeah? So it's noticing. Oh yeah. So in the Brahma Vihara is the, the four aspects of the heart. You know, we have metta, loving kindness and compassion, rejoicing in the success of others and equanimity. Like before we start that practice, in the Tibet lineage, we do something called equalizing self and others, where we think just for a moment that enemies become friends, friends become enemies, yeah? Strangers become loved ones, right? And so we start to notice this, this equanimity between self and others. Yeah. And so, of course, we're trying to realize this on a very uh, ultimate level. You know, ultimate level. Can we really see this um, as truth? And not just the, the conceptual level. Um, so we went through the first four last time, and they were super fun. <coughs> um, <coughs> especially number two. <coughs> I will practice seeing myself as the lowest of all. And from the very depth of my heart, I will respect and hold others as supreme. And again, I just want to emphasize, it's this egoic aspect uh, of self, you know. And this is the very... This is the very peace that we're trying to recognize is not truly existent. When we talk about the emptiness practices, yeah? This non-self. It's not that we don't exist, but we don't exist in the way that we think that we do. <clears throat> as this permanent, fixed, separate self. There's a Tibetan practice where they do this in a variety of ways, but one is that they meditate on the very edge of a cliff, like an abyss, yeah? Mm -hmm. And they meditate on the very edge, and then they actually put themselves over the edge, right about to like fall over, and they wait for that self-cherishing to arise. Whatever that is that arises, then they meditate on that and try mm -hmm. to find the existence of that. Where is that I that you're trying to protect? Where is the I that could die, that could be killed? Where is it? Find it, right? So they, they lean over and then allow that to arise and then look. What substantial characteristics is in that eye? Can you find any substantial characteristics of the eye that you're trying to protect from death? Can you find any substantial characteristics of the eye that arose when you read maybe some of these lines? The self-protection 
the self-protection that comes when somebody is falsely accusing you of something. Where is the existence of that? Where does that self exist and the person that's actually saying those things, where do you two divide? Can you find that? Yeah. So it's in a very real way penetrating the self-concept very directly. Yeah? I'm trying to point that out very directly. <clears throat> so we'll continue. Um, I think we went through the first four, yeah? Yes. Right? <clears throat> so, number five is, when others out of jealousy mis mistreat me with abuse, slander, and so on, I will practice accepting defeat and offer the victory to them. So this is what I was just saying, you know, we, we want we want to be liked, yeah? And justified. <clears throat> so we could be right or be free. We could be liked or be free. Um, no but not everyone has to like us. Yeah? And definitely not everyone has to like us um, for us to like them back. <laughs> Um, maybe I'll save this one for the next one but when someone I have benefited and in whom I have placed great trust hurts me very badly I will practice seeing that person as my supreme teacher so all the parents raise your hands <laughs> right <laughs> I'm sure this one we can all relate. I think what's interesting about this one is that um, we have all done this. <clears throat> and I think that's an interesting part of this as well, is to reflect back. Because when we read these and think, oh yeah, when this happens to me, I can get very angry. <clears throat> but to notice when we're the ones doing it, yeah? I think we could all agree that we have at one point or another. Um, I remember my mom loves to tell the story. I don't know how old I was. But um, she didn't give me what I wanted. And um, so I was telling her that I hate her. Mom, I hate you. Of course, I love my mom. And then she reminded me. She says, no, you don't. <laughs> I do. I hate you. <laughs> very adamantly um, I'm sorry, I can't imagine saying that but you know we all have that There's, there it is that attachment I think I wanted cowboy boots or something <laughs> wearing Kmart and she would not give me so that makes sense though. right makes total sense <laughs> makes total <Fair> sense <laughs> um so number seven, in short, I will offer directly and indirectly every benefit and happiness to all beings, my mothers. I will practice in secret, taking upon myself all of their harmful actions and sufferings. 
So this actually brings up, well, actually a couple practices <coughs> in the Tibetan tradition. One is, it says here, my mothers, all beings, my mothers. <coughs> so this takes a little bit of unpacking and, and whatnot. Um, and you just kind of have to get on board with it or not, because it is a very conceptual thing. But I think it's very powerful if you choose to take, take it on. And the theory, if you will, is that, and again, this is, this is in the Tibetan tradition of, of believing in reincarnation, that we are uh, these beings that have been reincarnating together for countless eons. And in those countless eons, uh, there's no way whatsoever that we have not at one time or another been each other's mothers. So this is something that the Tibetans say. And this goes down to every single being, every sentient conscious, sentient conscious being. So that means every fly, every ant, every bird, every fish has been your mother and has taken care of you. And, and at first, I remember hearing it for the first time, I thought, pretty ridiculous. I mean, I don't, but maybe. It's, uh, you know, why not? Maybe an aunt was my, my mother. But then after repeating this and just letting that possibility sink in, like what if that was true? And the next thing is you meditate on the beauty of the mother, of the mothering, nurturing quality, and what all beings could have done for us in that role that they have birthed us, nurtured us, fed us, kept us warm, all of those things that mothers do. Yeah? And then you meditate on like formally thinking of all the beings that you know, your enemies have been your mother. And then informally, you meditate on every little being that you see. Maybe they have been my mother. How precious. A friend of mine who's done a lot of retreat, he's a former monk, maybe three years of retreat. And he's telling me this precious story that I've experienced a little bit of, and maybe you have too. But he was doing long retreat, and there's nobody there. You're just with yourself <laughs> doing retreat. And the only thing that was there around him were the insects <laughs> around the ants in, in his cabin, yeah, this and that. And he was doing bodhicitta practice, this cultivating loving kindness for all beings, yeah, day in and day out. So every little ant that he saw, every insect, Everyone, uh, oh, look at, they say, call them precious mother sentient beings. Look at this precious mother sentient being. Oh my goodness, I'm such in debt to you, you beautiful being. He's just talking to ants, you know, like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but so precious, but so precious, yeah? So this is where we have like conceptual, uh, a relative reality, like a relative bodhicitta, you should say, relative bodhicitta, where we cultivate relative bodhicitta until we realize ultimate bodhicitta. So that could lead to ultimate bodhicitta, the realization of oneness, 
the realization of you know quantum physics that says you know we're all energy we're all the same energy and everything else is really an illusion so we can realize this but at first we use conceptual supports maybe that conceptual support will work for you maybe it won't but it's one that you could try on you have to admit it's a possibility that we don't know <laughs> it might be true and it doesn't hurt to use those supports and whatever ones work for you. I, for one, have jumped on board with it. I quite like it. Um, I think it's uh, very precious to ignite the heart and whatever works you know, for you. This, this phrase is actually talking about Tonglen. Um, how many people are familiar with the practice of Tonglen? We've talked about it quite a bit. Yeah, here. The practice of giving and receiving. So Tonglin is this is quite radical practice of taking, a, taking a, on the suffering of others. So we visualize the suffering of others emitting like black smoke. Yeah. And, and first you take refuge in your intention to take away the suffering of others. So this is really the place of refuge. Right. And, and safety, if you will. And, and then you breathe in this black smoke that is resembling their suffering. Yeah? And by the power of your attention to ease their pain and suffering is transmuted. One visualization is that's transmuted into a lightning bolt. And it, it comes into your body as this lightning bolt of loving-kindness and purification and it comes into your heart and you visualize an outer shell of your heart this is the self-cherishing aspect of your heart and that lightning bolt of intention shatters the self-cherishing aspect of your heart and releases unconditional love that permeates every single cell of your being every cell of your being is vibrating in absolute pure unconditional love for yourself, for all beings and it purifies you on every single level mentally, emotionally physically and then you take that purified light and healing and you breathe it back into the other whichever one you're visualizing you could also do this with yourself by the way to breathe it back into that light to them and visualize them transforming, right? So you're really transmuting that energy back. It's a very powerful practice. There's an old story that there was a colony of, of lepers and of course they weren't led into the teaching but some of them sat on a hillside and they heard the teaching and they took it back to the leper colony and started practicing Tonglen and they began to heal themselves of leprosy through this powerful practice. Right. It's very, very powerful practice. It does take a lot of courage and um, I know the more new agey type of philosophy of taking on people's energies and you know energy healing and stuff that I, I used to do, and I thought, the first thing I thought is, I'm not doing that, like, <laughs> breathing in black smoke, like, 
No, thank you. <laughs> That's going to dirty my aura. And um, so, you know, that, that, that thought might be there. And again, so, but it's that intention that's transmuting it. And so as soon as that black smoke hits you, it's transformed into this brilliant, brilliant light and, tra- and transformed. And so this is a practice that we could do um, with others, and it's, it's particularly powerful I mean, if we do the meta practice. And those of you that have done meta practice with um, the difficult person, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, or some more direct ways, they call it the enemy. You know, someone who you see as an enemy or a very difficult person in your life. Um, this might be the next level practice. <laughs> of actually taking on their suffering, because obviously they're suffering in some way. Um, Someone yesterday, who maybe we could pray for today, uh, a little bit later, but they threw a rock through my front window, um, and uh, these big windows are like five feet by five feet, Mm -hmm. just threw a rock right through a broad daylight. Mm -hmm. And... um, and they did it, this is the second time they've done it, just like four months ago, we had to replace a huge window. And I wasn't there uh, that time, but I was there. And it's odd, it's like um, they're walking on the side of the beach and they just, broad daylight at 2.30 in the afternoon, takes a huge rock and shatters. And I can hear them running mm-hmm. off, yeah. Um, and I felt anger. You know, a lot of anger arising because they could have definitely hurt somebody. If somebody, we have an office chair like right in front of that window. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, watching all that emotion arise and uh, cost, and, you know, all that stuff is happening. Um, so this is where the rubber meets the road, yeah? Mm-hmm. Like anger arising. Anger is arising. Yet I have to take that person into consideration. Because in the beginning, I'm just taking myself into consideration, yeah? My problem. This is problematic for me, yeah? For one, because I'm an I, I have things, yeah? And I don't like you to mess with my things, yeah? Because they're mine, even though the existence of the I can never find, yeah, but this non-existent I has things, and I'm attached to those things, and you hurt my things. And especially things that I care about, and it could be like my cat, like my fiancé, or the family that happens to be visiting right now, they could have been injured. Yeah. So of course those arise immediately, effortlessly. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, viciously, so like, as soon as the rock hit, I, I knew it. I was in my bedroom, I knew it. And so, I just, I tried to catch him, you know, I just mm-hmm. ran out so fast, they're already gone, yeah? But it's so fast, the protection, yeah? But then, if I can think, okay, there's another human being involved, and what about them? Just considering them, just considering the possibilities of what (coughs) is going on to make them think that they 
need to do that. Like whatever that is, I'm not. I'm not even quite sure the purpose of throwing a rock through someone's window twice. It's the same person because they have black rocks. It's like this specific, specific black rock. So it's just a good time, you know. Um, I don't know why they're doing it, but whatever it is, it's unwholesome. Yeah, there's an enemy there. Yeah, for them. There's an enemy there for them. Not sure why. <clears throat> but I realized that taking them into consideration eased my anger. Eventually. <laughs> it eased my anger to, to, to you know, think that. And, and I called the police and police came over. And really, really awesome police officer. Um, he says, you know, like, you know, catch those suckers that that did it and this and that and um, um, and I was thinking you know because there's automatically a label of these like bad people that are doing this or something like that um, without the consideration of what's underneath that so just enabling myself to reach out and to think okay this is somebody who's suffering obviously in some way it really helped it really helped me sure. I didn't get to the point of seeing that person as my mother, <laughs> taking care of me, and nurturing me. Um, not there yet, but maybe that's tonight's practice. Um, so the, the last one really is um, where they the, the bodhicitta and the wisdom, the emptiness, compassion and emptiness. So these are the, with the emptiness, the first seven are all compassion exercises, yeah? And then the last one is um, seeing things as illusory or empty of inherent existence. So this is when we meditate on all things are impermanent, all things are interdependent, and all things are... Um, empty of, of of an egoic overlay or not existing from their own side for things to exist they need imputation to exist yeah so they're empty so um, seeing things in those ways uh, in, in that way and the eight worldly concerns or the hope for happiness and the fear of suffering the hope for fame and fear of insignificance the hope for praise and the fear of blame, the hope for gain and the fear of loss. And, and again, when we practice in this way, it helps us to remove those layers of egoic um, concern, especially when we point that to ourselves, yeah? When we look at ourselves as impermanent, talking about the, the aggregates, like the I, the, the components that we construct, the I, yeah, thoughts, emotions, body sensations, consciousness, yeah, when we look at that as impermanent, interdependent, and empty of substantial characteristics, not like we don't exist, we're all okay, we're all here, grounded, secure, fine, <laughs> yeah. But we're not just a snapshot, 
We're not just a snapshot of life. Yeah? We're changing beings. Every single moment shifting, changing, moving. Yeah? That wrinkle's okay. That wrinkle is us too. Like when we say, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm changing. That says that I am, like you, you're not changing, you are change. <laughs> yeah, because if you're changing, that means you were actually, you were fixed at a certain point. There was something to, like, I, I am changing. No, you change every moment. Yeah? Every moment is like this, this arising. And it's dead. That is gone. Next moment, another. Yeah? Like that. And therefore, everyone else is. So this is when we get into trouble. So when we, when we solidify a concept around this happening, and then we do that with others, we do that with things. Yeah? And then the moment those things change, because we have conceptually overlaid that, we think, oh my God, you changed. You changed. But we weren't really seeing them as they are. I heard one analogy one time of a pencil. We think pencil. But we see the interdependence of a pencil. Yeah, for a pencil to happen, you need lead and wood and the rubber eraser, all this stuff to happen. Yeah? And so those elements come together for a very finite aspect of time. They come together and they function as a pencil. For a little bit, yeah, those elements come together. And as it's functioning as a pencil, you say pencil. Yeah, when it loses its functionality, it's not pencil. Yeah? But you see, before that, the, the tree, the wood, the source of all that it comes from, you know, the, the rubber plant, all this stuff. Yeah? If you see the history before and after that, you see the labellessness of it. Yeah? Because you see the before, before the slight little present. Oh, pencil. Come on. Yeah? Back into the earth, yeah. So we love to take the snapshots of like you're this. But think about with us, where where were we before we were born? That very moment before conception, yeah, right after. So looking a little bit deeper than the snapshot, uh, this person who threw a rock through my window is not just a person who threw a rock through my window. What were what were they before? they had the notion or thought, I have to throw a rock through somebody's window, or that angst arose in them. What are they 12 years from now? Yeah? When they're teaching others how not to be angry and throw rocks through a window. Yeah? Because that's highly possible. See, to see that whole progression. When I look at, if I was to face, come face to face with them, I to see, see the whole progression of that. Yeah? All at once, see, this is more reality of seeing it as it is, wholly and completely. Then I could maybe have more compassion for them. Yeah. In 12 years from now, from now and if they did make that transformation, I'll say, you changed. Because <laughs> you used to throw rocks through windows. Yeah. But I could also see that now. I could see that potentiality now. I could see them as a shifting being not just this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see though.
see the universe in them. Yeah. Sometimes a snapshot is very helpful. Yeah, I might want to get a video camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. They're working on that. That's what the police said. It's, yeah. It's just weird. <laughs> but yeah. On a relative level, this is all really important. So I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater there, yeah? It's, yes, on a relative level, we absolutely need to set up security cameras. And, but with the intention, too, for their own benefit, we could do all of this with, with the intention of kindness. Yeah, may I help them by catching them. And <laughs> it's hurting me more than it's hurting you. Um, but um, yeah, but we could have that. We could definitely have that intention uh, of of helping them uh, while we're, while we're doing all that. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe let's um, just connect in in smaller groups, and maybe no more than four. And um, maybe chat about what came up for you today and, and these ones. All right. Um, we have time for a couple couple shares. Anyone would like to share what came up for them? Probably nothing, but... Yeah, we had about the weather. Yeah, we had quite a discussion about a couple of these um, verses here. And um, one of them was um, number two, that I would see myself as the lowest of all. Uh, and he said, well, we didn't understand why we had to be, we understood equality mm-hmm. and being equal to all, but that we were lower, that that seemed like a judgment. Yes. Then we figured if E equals MC squared, you know, energy is the mass ordered by time, then why do we have to be the lowest energy? The very, very lowest. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like the great saying, Dear Guru, I am less than the dust on the bottom of your sweet lotus feet. And everyone's your guru. And again, so that's the one that usually hits the hardest because we're like, what the, come on. But, no, but really, because um, this is only pertaining to the, <clears throat> the egoic self. So um, in the West here, um, we need more self-esteem. Like, we more, need more self-compassion. We need more self-love. In Tibetan culture, the first time the Dalai Lama ever heard when he was talking about, you know, give to others, give to others, and some guy in the crowd said... I, I can't even love myself, and he started crying, and he, there was no actual translation. They were having a very difficult time translating that for him. He started crying. He could not conceive of not having self-love. So again, this text, and in this way, that's a given. That's a given that you think you're better than anybody else, you know? <laughs> so this is to just to pay attention. And so this, again, it's an old, old, old text, and yes, you're, you're Buddha, you are Buddha nature, they're Buddha, na- Buddha nature, but there, it's erring on the side of caution for like an egoic um, standpoint, yeah. So it's not, it's, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Does that make sense? It's like the antidote. Yes, yes, if you see yourself, I mean, and we have to just look very subtly though, because... 
even in a conversation, we look for things that benefit ourselves. Um, you know, should I like this person? Do they have career ties? Um, am I attracted to them physically? Like, and all this stuff. It's very, very, um, you know, that tribe. It's more this or that for me. Just notice. It's very subtle. Like, why we want to favor somebody. Yeah? And a lot of it is selfish. You know, but what about them? How can I help them? How can I help their career? How can I help them get more friends? How can I help them get, be more prosperous? in all these different ways. You see, even, even that, like if we have, when we come to them, like we want to assist in them and, and get away from this really habitual, what about me? Yeah? <clears throat> I just, even beyond what we were talking about here, the first thing that got me was the, uh, the cliff the meditating on the cliff thing. I just uh, was at a retreat, and um, one of the things we did was uh, cliff dive into a, uh, an ocean. And it's, you know, there's some film of it, and it's just very fascinating looking at people from over, and they're like, mm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. It's a 25 foot, you know, yeah. ball, so um, it's, you know, very much in your head what could not happen. But, um, yeah. Very interesting, you know, watching the film afterwards of what people did. Wonderful. I was thinking it would be cool to see, you know, something on, if there's something on YouTube about uh, monks doing that and, mm-hmm. and share that in that group. Oh, great, great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I, another thing that came up in our group was the, the number five. We didn't really like that very much. seems to be totally against, again, self-compassion mm-hmm. and self-love, and, and uh, why we would allow somebody to abuse you and just say, <laughs> kind of like, well, we read it as, oh, it's just okay, you know, and keep doing it, you know, and the, the whole concept of victory. Yes, yes. We didn't... Is that helpful for them? Right, yeah. And again, a little bit of the unpacking. Thank you for bringing that one up. Um, yeah, so this doesn't mean to be a, a doormat, which... I know it sound it sounds like that, which is not compassionate, you know. Uh, and again, though, what is what's your intention as you spring out of that into action? It's not to take to take action, right? Because it, you're right; like it's not a benefit to them to to do that. Are you doing it from a place of compassion? The defeat is the defeat of the ego. Offering the victory to them is saying you're not touching me egoically. Right? And out of compassion, I'm going to be, have wrathful, you know, compassion to you. Yeah? And you could have that. But again, the victory is saying, is, is not, I'm getting attacked. Like, again, what is getting attacked? Yeah? So this is a very ultimate level practice. This is a very ultimate level practice to see what is getting attacked, what needs to, what is getting threatened, what needs to be protected. Yeah? So if you could look look at that, and then of course on a relative rea- reality, bodhicitta, take care, not, uh, take care of yourself, absolutely, and take care of others. Yeah. Does, does that make more sense? Like, yeah. yeah.
So that's that's the offering. So the 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 alternative is suffering. <laughs> that's the alternative. It's feeling hurt. You know what is feeling hurt? Feeling you know demoralized by this person, being victimized by this person, being um, uh, kind of put into a thought spin all day because they said something on Facebook about you or something. You know. So offering, okay, yeah, you're suffering, you win, you know? you know? Like I told this story last time, real quick, but it's just so fitting, I'll tell it again. The Zen teacher, he uh, gets a knock at the door, they hand him a baby saying it's yours, I have a teenage daughter, she says that you impregnated her, and the Zen teacher says, great, thank you. Um, uh, they say raise the baby he raises the baby doesn't say a word of course he loses all of his his his, uh, group his his sangha all that stuff and his name is Mud all that stuff a year later they come back and they say oh she was lying you know she knew that we didn't like her her boyfriend so she said it was you he says here's the baby back everyone comes back (laughs) the Zen teacher is free the entire time see he's free yeah, the entire time. So his, his intention, and within himself, he didn't fall into another realm. Yeah, he was free the whole time. So we have to use skillful, skillful means, yeah, compassion. We have to use wisdom on how this manifests. That might not always be the best. It might have been best at some point to say, you know, your daughter's lying to you. I didn't. <laughs> that might have been skillful. Yeah, but he just did this other one. But it's the point of it, you see? Yeah. It's just, yeah, where it's coming from. Yeah, there's one more. Um, I just wanted to point out that the type of teaching that this is, it says, you know, as you mentioned, it's eight verses of thought transformation. If, if this were like a cooking class, you know, you'd give us a recipe and then we could go and straight off the paper be able to make the dish. But this is thought transformation. So I gotta, some of these things should land poorly at Mm. first. And if they're real transformations, these may make sense some later time. These aren't easy ones to just like pick up and follow. Like if you hit it, it's like, here's how you make bug cake, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) Um, so like it's a, I don't know. It's a, if it's if it's a thought transformation, I don't usually typically have those like, oh yeah, dash. That's usually like a longer. It's not really a practice for action. It's more of a practice for changing the reactions and thoughts that you have towards processes, as opposed to a practice yeah. for actions of what you're like. What we're talking about, number five. You know. Right. Right. Thank you both. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe in another countless eon, we'll get it. <laughs> right. Like it can sit awkwardly for a little while that's okay yeah like it may transform later it may transform your thought in the future absolutely it's hard it's hard thank you yeah um so i just want to um close uh before i have just a couple of announcements but just want to sit for a few moments uh, and a couple people mindia so you mindia your friend who is under, is she under hospice now? Yeah. Rochelle, okay. So I want to send I want to send um, some thoughts and prayers to Rochelle, and then maybe um, to that precious jewel who threw a rock through my window. 
to and anyone else here? Um, my neighbors are putting their dog down tonight. Uh, his name is Buddy. So. Buddy. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. A friend of mine um, had a recurrence um, and has just gone off four days of intensive chemo for metastatic mm -hmm. uh, small bowel cancer. Okay. Her smiles. Oh. So just allowing our eyes to close. And maybe calling upon the Buddha of compassion, Chinrezig, which these verses are said to, you know, emanate forth from Avalokiteshvara, who symbolizes the compassion of all the Buddhas and all beings. And maybe visualizing from the heart the Buddha of compassion, just streaming light and love and health and healing to these beings. That they may have the perfect healing, whatever that might mean to them. feel safe and protected, <coughs> loved. On each of their journeys forward. Oh money pemion. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.